All right, let's gather back together. Uh, at this time, we'll dismiss the young people to their children's experience. So, of course, we have uh, child care provided for anyone K and younger uh, or anyone uh, preschool and younger. And we have a special experience for children K through fifth grade. And so the children will uh, uh, follow uh, their leaders to my left. And uh, we will transition to the teaching part of our service, the second part of our service. As we do that, let us uh, pray together the prayer that our Lord Jesus Christ taught us. The Lord's Prayer, we call it, and it is found in uh, the book of Matthew uh, in the uh, early part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, This is out of the Common English Bible, a version of the Bible we uh, use, a newer version. So let us read off the screen together. Our Father, who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity, this time to step into your presence. I ask now as we have gathered here as a body of believers, as a body of people devoted to your Son, Jesus Christ, that you just open your word to us. As we hear wisdom from Scripture, that you just open our hearts, that you have your Spirit in us, and help us understand what you are speaking to each one of us today, even though that may be a different thing. May all these things just bless you, glorify you, and raise your name on high. Amen. Well, I want to welcome you to new life, and I welcome you to our Easter season. We remind you, Easter is a great 50 days. It is a season, a wonderful time of celebration as we celebrate Christ the Lord is risen. We do not worship a dead Savior. We worship a risen Savior. I also want to welcome uh, any guests tonight. I encourage you to please fill out one of these communication cards so we can get in contact you with you. Thank you for being part of our community tonight and just uh, give you some more information. I also want to welcome all of those now joining us on the website or through our podcast. Uh, Tonight is the third week of our sermon series, Enough, which is based on the book by Reverend Adam Hamilton. Uh, We live in this world (laughs) that is kind of spiraled into this financial crisis, right? Over the last several years, we've been trying to recover from the financial crisis and collapse in 2007-2008. So all of Enough, this entire series, is about trying to learn from Scripture how we can truly be people uh, who are smart about our money or intelligent about our money, but more so about being people who can discover joy through simplicity and generosity. When I was uh, a young boy, I'm really not sure. I've been trying to think how, how long ago it was, actually. Four or five, maybe earlier, my parents bought me um, this. Uh, some of you may recognize it. It is a Sony Dream Machine. Okay, it's a model, oh, I had it here, ICF-C3W, which means nothing to me or any of you. But I've had this uh, alarm clock radio, AM, FM radio. I've had this for about 25 years. All right? Had it for a long time. And that's saying something because we live in this world where technologies kind of throw away. Any technology either becomes worn out 
or it becomes outdated. Let me give you some examples. In the last 15 years, give or take a couple years, I've owned three television sets. It's pretty normal. I've owned four cell phones, four iPods, four gaming consoles, different gaming consoles, and five computers in the last 15 years. When something newer comes out, we want that, right? When something becomes outdated, we want that. Now, I've had this AM, FM, alarm clock radio for 25 years. It's beige, and it has uh, it, the sticker still on it, which is kind of funny to me, simulated wood paneling, which means the only thing it matches is like a 1970 Vista Cruiser, right? <laughs> it's like the only thing this would go with is a beige wood paneled Vista Cruiser. Could have replaced it easily over the last 25 years. Now you can buy a dream machine, a new dream machine, $10, $15. You could buy a really nice iHome for $100, not too expensive. One Saturday morning before I went to church, the power went out. This was back in Maple Park. And this doesn't have a battery backup system. So I overslept. Almost missed church. Doesn't have a CD player. You can't plug your iPod into it. But I've kept this Sony Dream Machine for 25 years. And it's still the radio I use every night. I used it this morning to wake up. And it's woken me up the majority of mornings over the last 25 years. And I've kept it for one simple reason. It still works. I plug it in. It tells me the time. I set it to wake me up, and it wakes me up. There's no reason to get rid of it. Even though our culture, well, yeah, I mean, that's one example, but that's only happened once in 25 years. That's pretty good, right? It's pretty good. Our culture says that when something gets too old, when something gets out of date, when something doesn't match, you throw it away. But we're going to talk tonight about something called contentment. I am content with my Sony Dream Machine clock radio. And we want to talk about being content in some other ways. So now you've heard of RLS, which is restless leg syndrome, right? It's been uh, kind of common here in the last couple of years. It's a major illness that affects a lot of people. But there's another illness that we face today, and it's kind of the heart of this economic crisis. It's called RHS, or Restless Heart Syndrome. Now, don't Wikipedia it when you get home, because I'm making it up. Don't go to, uh, you know, the doctor website and try to enter it in, because you won't find it. The primary symptom of Restless Heart Syndrome is discontent, or never being satisfied with anything. It plays out every single day in our lives. I have a 16-year-old car, Every time I get in that car, I think, man, it would be nice if I had a newer car. Our house never seems large enough, and there's always more space that we would like, always, you know, some more things we'd like. I've upgraded over the last 15 years. I said I've owned five computers. I've upgraded every single computer, not because those computers were out of date, not because they didn't work, but because I wanted a newer, faster computer that could do better things, that looked better, that felt better that could, uh, you know, do more advanced software. So we experience this restless heart syndrome. 
Sadly, we only experience when it comes to material things. We don't really experience restless heart syndrome in other aspects of our life. We're content with where we are in our relationship with God. We're content with how much we serve God. We're content with how much we give to the poor and the needy and how much we reach out. We're content in the things that we shouldn't be content in. You see, God created each of us with a discontent. A discontent that can only be filled with a relationship with Jesus Christ. But we live that discontent out in the things we own, in the lifestyles we live. Here's what the Bible says. It comes from Hebrews chapter 13. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So how can we change? How can we get rid of this restless heart syndrome? How can we be content with what we have and yet not be content with who we are? The answer comes through two things, cultivating contentment and simplifying our lives. This is a very practical week and a very practical sermon, and so I hope you can uh, latch on to some of these things. So first we have to talk about cultivating contentment. The Apostle Paul teaches us about something uh, when it comes to contentment. You see, Paul was in Rome, and he was in jail. He was in prison. And he writes this letter, letter to the Philippians. And in it, in the uh, fourth chapter, he says, Not that I complain of want, for I have learned, in whatever state I am, to be content. You hear that? Not that I complain of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to be, or I know how to abound in any and in all circumstances. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. We're going to pick up in that passage uh, from Philippians 4 in just a little bit because Paul says, I've learned to be content. And I'm going to share with you the secret of that contentment. So we're going to go over four keys, four simple things to help cultivate contentment. One of those things, the very last one, is actually something Paul lifts up here in Scripture. The first key to cultivating contentment is to memorize a little phrase. And you're going to want to repeat this after me. It could be worse. Okay, we're going to need to do a little bit better. It could be worse. Thank you, thank you. Tonight when you get in your car and you go home and you wish it was a little newer or it smelled a little nicer or it wasn't making those funny sounds, just say, when you get home and the house is a mess and you're running out of room and you're tripping over each other, just say, When your children are driving you insane and they're running around and they're breaking things, just say. When you're sitting across from your spouse or significant other and they're aggravating you, just say. Well, don't, don't say that one out loud. That's a, that's a mental, it could be worse. The idea behind it could be worse is to really generate in yourself uh, optimism. To realize that... Uh, it literally could be worse. Uh, it, you could call it uh, looking on the bright side of things. It seems simple, but really, it could be worse. That's the blessing of going on mission trips, going around the world, seeing 
literally, how well we have it. It could be worse. The second key to cultivating contentment is to ask yourself a very important question. How long will this make me happy? Personally speaking, when I'm stressed, when uh, you know, I'm anxious, when I'm just feeling blue, there are two things that cheer me up, eating and shopping. Don't tell my wife that because she thinks I, I hate shopping. Uh, hopefully she isn't going to listen to this online. <laughs> I've tried to tell her, but she doesn't believe me. But I, I love to buy things, and you know, sometimes I don't even care what it is. I just like to buy. I like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm a little uh, Swedish, so I just love to buy things. Uh, that's why we have that big Ikea store, and I can't go in there. I literally can't walk in Ikea. It's just dangerous for me uh, because I'll just buy all kinds of worthless stuff that I don't need. And we buy a lot of the things in the spur of the moment, and the best way to avoid that is to ask yourself, how long will this make me happy? You know, if you really think you need a new car, try renting the car. Don't go down to the dealer looking for a car, get in the car test driver and buy it, right? Rent it for a week and see, okay, is this the car I want? Is this the car that I really need? You know, if you can't live without a new iPad 3 or 2.5 or whatever it is, whatever they're calling it, borrow one from a friend or, or go visit someone who has one. Test it out a little bit. Generally speaking, material things bring us limited happiness. The joy we get from buying them runs out very quickly. I hope you've experienced, experienced that. Next, or or third, key to uh, cultivating contentment is to develop a grateful heart. If you change how you view the world and the things in it, you can actually develop this uh, uh, attitude of gratefulness, this attitude of thankfulness. If you actually believe that everything is a gift from God, you will actually be generous and uh, thankful for everything that you have. Now, our culture teaches us that our work, our possessions, our family. These are things we have worked hard for. And and we've developed that in our culture for a long time. I work hard. I earn this. This is what I've earned. But as Christ followers, as Christians, we know that God has created everything, including you and me, and everything we have is a gift from God. Our homes, our possessions, our families, even our careers. All of that stuff. So if you start viewing that, those things, everything you have, everything that is, as a gift from God, you start developing a grateful heart, thanking God. God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for my house. Thank you for this car. Thank you for the opportunities I have, for the work that I have. Thank you for this gift. It could be worse. Thank you. It could be worse. The fourth and final key to cultivating contentment is to find true satisfaction. You see, the world teaches us that satisfaction is found outside of things like in families and careers and the things we own. But Paul is going to tell us different in the next verse in Philippians. He writes, I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Throughout Scripture, from Genesis to Revelations, we hear of a picture and we read of a story that tells us that true satisfaction is in a relationship with God. And we know as Christians, true satisfaction comes in a relationship with Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose again for us. If Christ is in our heart, we can actually be content no matter what the circumstances are. Now there's another aspect of cultivating contentment, and that is simplifying 
our lives. It's hard to be content when we're always wanting more. We always want the, the newest, the best, the biggest, the brightest. I've told you I've owned five computers in the last 15 years. The last time I bought a new computer, the computer I, I own now, which is three or four years old, so it's about time for a new one, right? I went into the store and I went into Best Buy, which is my first mistake. I'm a premium silver platinum member at Best Buy for that reason that I like to buy things. And so I walked into Best Buy and, and I, I was looking at computers and I kind of knew what I wanted. And I said, I'm going to get a simple laptop, you know, something that can do word processing, something that can get on the internet, something that can just be simple. Uh, and, and which computer did I walk out with? The most expensive one in the place. This was several years ago when I had some money. So... Uh, but, but that's right. That, that's just, that's the key. We need to simplify our lives. But I need to warn you, this is going to look different for each of us. There may be somebody, I was driving up here uh, tonight, actually, and I passed someone driving a Mercedes, a Mercedes-Benz, beautiful car. For some people, driving a Mercedes is simplifying their life. Not for me. <laughs> Probably not for a lot of us. So this is not a judgment. We're not looking to judge other people for what they own, for what they have. But we need to find for each of us how we need to simplify. There are a few things, uh, a few simple steps to how to simplify your life. The first step is to reduce consumption and spending. Now, we are big consumers. Uh, We consume about 20%, I think, of the world's uh, resources just here in our country, and we are not that many uh, of us compared to everybody else. And, and reducing consumption can come in a lot of, the, lot of different ways. You know, it may come in uh, carpooling to work. It may come in taking a few less napkins when you're out to eat. It may come in saving a little bit of electricity, saving a little bit of water and sewage. There's a lot of ways to lessen your impact, and we could go on for hours about how you can do that. Also, you need to really start living below your means. We have this problem in the United States where most of us live above or just within our means. We live right at the border. We don't live below our means. We spend more or we spend what we make. That's the bigger problem. And then when something bad happens, we put it on credit, we take out a loan, and before you know it, we're heavily in debt. So find ways to step back from your spending. Maybe it's buying generic items. Maybe it's Uh, just stepping down. You know, maybe it's keeping your car an extra year longer than you'd like. For for us, that that would be something that we're doing. It may just be not going out to eat one time a year or or, or one time a week or saving on a, you know, Starbucks coffee every, every once in a while. The next thing you need to do is you need to ask yourself before you buy it, do I really need this? Then ask yourself, why do I need it? You see, stores, retail stores are designed to make you buy things you don't need. That's why they have all those little piddly things right there at the checkout counter. They are designed to make, and some of those stores get more and more expensive, they are designed to make you want to buy things that you didn't necessarily come in to buy. So when you go shopping, make a list of what you need. And don't buy anything that's not on the list. If you see something that's not on the list, mark it down, make a new list, and get it next time. Think about what you need. When it comes to big purchases, large purchases, Uh, do what we talked about before. Uh, You know, try it before you buy it. Really think about, do I need this? What is it going to do? You know, I would like a new car. Lord knows, I would love a new car. But my car's still running. Both of my cars are still running. One's 15 years old, one's 6 years old. They're both paid off, and that's a wonderful thing, isn't it? 
to not have that car payment. It could be worse. My, com- my computer's still cl- uh, clocking away, as is my dream machine here. Although I'll, I'll go home tonight, it won't work probably, right? <laughs> that comes to uh, the next thing. Low-cost entertainment. My hat is off to you. I know some of you have large families, uh, anyone with family. Entertainment is so expensive. Just to go to the movie theater is expensive. Just to go out to eat, you know, we have uh, nephews and nieces come stay with us, and we have the four nephews and nieces stay with us uh, over the weekend. And just taking them out to McDonald's is, a, uh, you know, a bill that adds up. I, it, now they're, they're getting to the age where they're eating grown-up food. So a couple months ago when they were here, or maybe over last summer, we took them out to Buffalo Wild Wings. And before I knew it, the bill was for the six of us was $80, $90. It adds up real quick. So plan low-cost entertainment. Yeah, it's fun to go to the movies. I love going to the movies. Uh, anyone who knows me knows I, I have a passion for that. Uh, but sometimes it can be just as fun to go to the Red Box, rent a movie for a dollar, get a bag of popcorn, and enjoy a night at home. Now, I love going to Disney World as much as anybody else, and I've been several times in my life. But some of my best memories were not the kind of rushed and hurried summer vacations or the rushed and hurried, you know, theme park vacations, but we're just hanging out with my family, playing a game, going up camping. That cheap but fun entertainment was some of the most uh, special and wonderful entertainment I, uh, I, I experienced as a child, and I think your children probably would agree. Next, you need to ask yourself, are there any major changes I can make? If you are seriously in debt, if you do not know how you're going to pay the bills next month, if you do not uh, know how you're going to pay off your credit card debt, if you are, are, are just in debt up to your eyeballs, there are probably some major changes you need to make. I can't make those decisions for you, but they may be things like needing to downgrade the house, needing to get rid of one of the cars, and maybe selling some of that stuff that's piled up in the garage. I can't answer those questions, but I can say that God does not desire for you to be afraid or anxious or depressed or just in hell because of your debt. God did not die for us so that we could be slaves to death. Christ died so that we could be free. And that freedom includes freedom from debt. I I truly, truly believe that. So in conclusion, we we need to remember a couple things. First and foremost, we have to have this thing called self-control which, you know, I try to work on personally. It doesn't always work. Although I did go into Best Buy this weekend for one thing and left with one thing. So maybe I'm getting a little bit better. Thankfully, when we talk about self-control, self-control is not something that we have to do on ourselves. It's not about exerting our will to stop buying, to stop spending. Self-control is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit, which means it's a gift God gives to us. It means if we pray for self-control... If we pray to God to help us stop our reckless spending, stop spending above our means, God can actually help us. The Spirit can actually give us tools and guidance and give us the courage and self-control that we need to live the life that God has intended for us. We live in a world that lives for instant gratification. And everything in our world says that, instant gratification. But as Christ followers, we need to think about greater gratification. So when it comes to your spending, when it comes to how you're acting, when it comes to how you're living, ask yourself these questions. What are the consequences of my actions? What are the consequences of my spending? What are the consequences of this purchase? 
Second, if I use this resource in another way, will it lead to greater good? You ever thought about that if you're at the store? If I'm buying this, how can God be glorified? Could God be glorified if I use these resources for something else? Finally, how does this glorify and honor God? Now, we all have a choice to make. It's a simple choice. We can live in one of two tents. We can live in the tent of discontentment or the tent of contentment. See, God will strengthen us. The Holy Spirit will strengthen us and give us that self-control if we choose to live a life of contentment. But if we choose to continue our destructive habits, to continue destructive spending, destructive living, God will let us do that. God's not going to prevent us from destroying ourselves or our families or getting ourselves into debt. But if we want help out, God can do that. So I hope we can all walk away here tonight being people content with what we have, yet yearning to be more than who we are. Amen. Let's transition now into our uh, next part of our worship experience. As we do, we'll uh, have a prayer. I remind you, uh, please do, if you're a guest tonight, fill out a communication card. Uh, I remind you about uh, May 12th at 9 a.m. is a New Life 101, a great opportunity to get a little information about who we are, what we're all about. And a great opportunity to learn more about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be part of the church, uh, who New Life is. Just great questions uh, if you haven't taken advantage of that. In a minute here, the ushers are going to come forward and collect uh, our tonight's offering. I want to remind you that besides giving in uh, here tonight, you can always go online and you can give online or you can sign up for uh, automatic uh, withdrawal every month and you can give uh, through Secure Give on our website. Uh, great way to give. I want to celebrate that we've been doing a uh, family and funds campaign, just a kind of a small fundraising campaign to help some re- for some resources next year. And uh, we've gathered quite a bit of income, um, not a lot, but <laughs> uh, more than we had before we did this. Uh, and there's, it's what's blessed me the most, I should say, is there's people from now around the country who are supporting this ministry, who are praying for this ministry, uh, and who are excited about this ministry. And so we share in a much greater cloud of witnesses than those who sit here tonight uh, and then our community at whole. And so we want to celebrate that. Let us have a word of prayer and as we uh, transition into our praise time. Let us pray. Lord, I ask that you just open our hearts now as we have heard your holy word. Just help it speak to us if it's not already spoken to us. Just fill our hearts with your spirit. Help us understand how you are calling us to live simply and joyfully. You created us to be joyful people. Help us know joy. I ask that you be with all of those who need your love today, those who are lost, those who are alone, those who are struggling, those who are ill, those who are weak. We lift up the poor and the hungry. We lift up the powerless. We lift up all those who need your love. All of us need your love and grace daily. Fill us with your grace and make us tools of your grace in this world. We ask that you be with the leaders of this nation, the leaders of this world, the leaders of our community. Help them guide us towards you. Guide them so that they can lead us in great ways that lead to your kingdom. Be with those who serve us both overseas and at home, our men and women in our armed forces police officers, firefighters, medical personnel, traffic personnel, those who are working construction, dangerous jobs. 
Those who serve us in ways we neglect and we forget, help us serve them in a real way. Lord, I lift up the United Methodist Church as we are now gathered in Tampa for General Conference. Every four years we get together and you know that this is a wonderful time for our church. And As the delegates from around the world decide what the future of the Methodist Church looks like, I ask that you just guide them, that your Holy Spirit just leads them in wonderful ways, ways that lead to life, ways that lead to your Son, Jesus Christ. Most of all, we just ask that you be with new life. As we are young and fresh and new, we ask that you just encourage us, that you bring us closer together, closer to your Son, Jesus Christ, and build us so that we can be strong for our community. Make us passionate Christ followers. Make us passionate Christians. Make us life-changing means of your grace. We pray these things in your holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son.